and I have enjoyed this series. I think it's important every now and then to everybody to get back on the same page, and we try to do that around here. I've told you this before, every July, July is kind of that time where people are traveling, there's not a lot of new people coming into the church at summertime, and it's just a time that every year we take and we kind of have what we call an insider series, and kind of get everybody refocused and back on the same page, and kind of get out a couple of messages that we feel are important for our family before we go back to fulfilling the mission the rest of the year. I've enjoyed the series so much. Matter of fact, I'm going to extend it one more week. I've got one more message I want to teach in the series, and we're going to do that next week. We'll start our new series the second week in August. And, I mean, in every sense of the word, this place is family. It's a lot familiar. It's not the family you were born into, but it's the family you chose to be part of. It's the family that will stand by you in the good times and stand by you in the bad times. That's a rarity because it's real easy to find someone to stand by you in the good times. It's a whole other story to find somebody to stand by you in the bad times. Well, we'll stand by you when life's going great and we'll stand by you when life's going horrible, whether by your doing or someone else's doing. There's something special, if you will, when La Familia is working the way that it's supposed to work. But make no mistake about it, there's times that La Familia is ugly, and it's messy, and it's flawed. But when everything is clicking, and when everything is running, and at the end of the day, this thing of ours is beautiful, and it's unique. It's rare to find a group of people who are willing to come together and say, you know what, we're going to do life together And life together is not all greatness. Sometimes life together is ugliness. But we're going to be there no matter what. We're going to stand with each other no matter what. And that's one of the reasons God created us. The Bible says this in Genesis chapter 2. It is not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. And obviously this is when God made Eve for Adam. And this is talking about the unity of marriage. But we can carry it over to our relationships. Nobody was created to do life alone. We were created to do life with other people. We were created to do life side by side with each other. It's a unique thing when you go back and look in the New Testament and they would send people out to start churches. They would send them out in twos. They never sent anybody out alone. They knew there's power in numbers. They know for all intents and purposes we are better when we're together. Because your strengths are my weaknesses and my strengths are your weaknesses. And and when we come together in a cohesive unit, we've got every base covered. And really a cohesive unit is almost virtually unstoppable. And if anything, if you want La Familia to be what it's supposed to be, it takes intentionality. It takes work. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. I joined a new gym recently. You wouldn't know it from looking at me. But I joined a new gym recently, and this gym has a sauna. And so I was in the sauna. And it's interesting what you hear in a sauna. Because I don't know if people think it's like a confessional booth, and like whatever you say stays. It's like Vegas. What happens in the sauna stays in the sauna. But I've heard some interesting conversations in the sauna. Now, here's the deal. I'm half naked in the sauna, half naked, not fully naked. Let's clarify that very quickly. I thought that was the rule in the sauna until about an 83-year-old man rolled up in the sauna the other day, fully naked. I figured when you're 83, you do what you want to do and how you want to do it. 
He sat next to me. My sauna experience was over that day. I left. Hey, man, <laughs> I got to go. But I heard two guys the other day in the sauna. It was on a Monday. And they were talking about their church from Sunday. And anytime you hear someone else talking about church, it's one of those things my ears perk. It's not that big, so I don't feel like I was eavesdropping and they weren't being quiet. And they begin to gripe about everyone in the church. Now, I know the church, and the church maybe runs 40 people on a good day. And they must have named about 38 people that they had an issue with. And I thought to myself, I wonder if the reason that church has never achieved its potential is because instead of being family, they're all looking out for number one. And here was the telling thing. I'm not sure how I feel about brother so-and-so. That's what they call their pastor, brother, and they said his name. I know brother so-and-so, and he's a good man. And I also know that brother so-and-so has been the pastor there for about four years, so it's not like he's a newbie. And they said, but I've just learned we can outlast them. That's what he told me. He didn't tell me this. is what he told the guy. He said, I told him recently I was here before you, and I'll be here after you. And we've seen better than you leave this place. Now I'm over there. Now I have blood coming down my chin where I'm biting my lip. And I just thought to myself, what a heartbreaking situation to know they're missing out on what could be beautiful. They're missing out on what could be powerful. They're missing out on something special because God designed it a certain way and he designed it to be la familia. He didn't design it to gripe and complain about the color of the carpet. Or you don't like how the youth guy did this or so-and-so did that. It's so funny. I'm going to get into this in a minute. It's so funny the fights that the church will fight. It's so funny the fights the people in the church will fight. It's so funny people's hill they're willing to die on. <laughs> well, I'm familiar, it takes work. And we've been giving you some principles over the last couple of weeks. The first week... We talked about the principle of loyalty. Sitting in the sauna half-naked talking about your churches and loyalty. Just saying. Because you never know who's eavesdropping. Though it does make for a good sermon illustration. <clears throat> the second week we talked about a subject that I've never talked about. We talked about honor. I enjoyed that message. I would encourage you to go back to the podcast and listen to it because I think so many times we hear the word honor and we think respect and respect and honor are two different things and the Bible talks a lot about honor. Last week I heard Grady knocks it out of the park and he talked about unconditional love. Unconditional love is one of those things that ought to just be a given inside the church but yet it's a rarity inside the church. We love you if we love you if you look like us boy church is the most segregated place in the country we got black churches and white churches and straight churches and gay churches and baptist churches and methodist churches and contemporary churches and traditional churches and old churches and young churches and, and we tend to go to church with people who look and act like us normally if you ever want to know who's attending a church look at the people on the stage 
Because normally the people on the stage are a representative of what's out in the crowd. We're in trouble here. <laughs> Today I want to talk to you about a subject that I've kind of struggled with all week. Because I didn't know how to actually put it into words without it sounding so confrontational. So finally I just accepted there was no way to do that and I would just throw it out there. Today we're going to learn this principle. Families fight for each other. Families fight for each other. There's times as a family that we will have to fight for each other. There's times that we will have to fight for the vision of the church. There's times we'll have to fight for the mission of the church. But the problem is automatically when we hear that word fight, we've bought into this mentality that, oh my gosh, fighting is wrong. And the church, instead of becoming this fighting unit, has become this passive unit. It's become this unit that's not willing to unite together to fight for the right things. Because there's times you have to fight because things are worth fighting for. And family is worth fighting for. <laughs> I can already hear the backlash. Fight. Isn't that a little violent, Gary? <laughs> I mean, it's just such a bad way. Fight? You want us to fight? Like we're going to go out on the streets and we're just going to fight people? I'm not saying that. Though there might be times for that too. I remember when Luke was coming home when he started school. And Luke is a very passive kid. He's our youngest boy. And he would come home and he was getting picked on. He was getting picked on every day. And so-and-so was picking on him. So-and-so was picking on him. And so-and-so was picking on him. And so-and-so was picking on him every day. And finally, I said, son, just walk away from it. Just ignore it. Then finally, I had to look at him one day and say, son, it doesn't sound like anything you do is going to change the situation. So the next time this kid picks on you, if you want him to stop picking on you, I want you to rear back, ball up your fist, and punch him as hard as you can in the nose. I said, I want you to lay him out. If he falls to the ground, keep hitting him because you don't want him to get up because he's bigger than you. I said, you got to take him by surprise. I showed him how to make a fist. I showed him how to rear his hand back. I showed him right in the nose where he should hit the kid because the nose bleeds easily and blood would freak out a kindergartner. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. That doesn't sound like very good parenting to me. No, there's just times my kids learn that you've got to fight. Fighting's not always the first response, but there's times that fighting is the only response. You can fool yourself all day long, and you can kid yourself all day long, and you can convince yourself all day long that there's not a supernatural battle going on between good and evil, but there is. The devil is real today. As much as we believe God is real, we believe the devil is real. And the devil wants nothing more than destroy the things of God. Have you ever noticed right when things start clicking, man, the fights start? Right when things start going good, the drama comes along. Have you ever noticed right when you, and you make that horrible assumption, you're like, man, we got through that high five. Oh, here's the next thing. Sometimes you got to fight. <laughs> like I said, I don't know if that's good parenting or bad 
parenting, but I wanted Luke to know there's times in life you just got to fight because some things are worth fighting for. There's times in life when all you can do is stand up for what is right. And here's the deal, I've never seen a fight that was a clean fight. I've never seen a fight that was a fair fight. When you're fighting, you're doing whatever it takes to make sure you come out on top. And we live in the day and time where fighting is almost looked down upon. My mom used to joke when I was in school, I'm not a very aggressive person. I'm a kind of laid-back person. I'm not a big violent person. But my wife, my wife, my mom used to always joke and used to always say, Gary was good for one call from the principal a year for fighting. Every year it seemed like I got into one fight with somebody every year. And the funny thing was, is every time I got into a fight with someone, every single fight I can remember, it was because some guy was messing with some littler guy, and I finally had enough of it. Sometimes you got to fight. Sometimes the best thing that can happen to somebody is to get punched right in the nose. But we live in a day and time, especially in the church, where we don't want to talk about that anymore. We've turned the church into, no offense, ladies, but this feminine thing that, is, that the men no longer want to be part of. I'm in a group text with about seven guys. And we were talking, and we were talking, it has nothing to do with church, and we were talking about business the other day and talking about different things. And out of the clear blue, this guy said, Man, have you seen the new Rambo? trailer i said oh yeah i've seen it he said man what if jesus was like rambo this guy doesn't do church wants nothing to do with church has no desire to go to church he said if jesus was like rambo i'd come to church i said well it's funny you mentioned that jesus really ain't like rambo but jesus isn't who we've turned him into either and i'm preaching on that very thing this sunday we, we live in a day and time where no one is willing to fight anymore. We're willing to complain. We're willing to protest. We're willing to act like we're activists on social media. But we're not willing to get our hands dirty and fight for what we believe in. I need you to write this down today. We are created with the heart of a warrior. We were created with the heart of a warrior. The Bible says that God created us in his own image. God is many things. And as you read through the Bible, you'll see that, that there's many metaphors for God. And one of them is that of a warrior. The Bible says in Exodus 15, 3, the Lord is a warrior. I don't understand the Bible. It's really complicated. Well, let me break this down for you. The Lord, boom, that's God, is, that means he is, is in the original language means is a warrior. The Lord is his name. <laughs> I believe with everything that is in me, hardwired in the heart of every Christ follower, is the desire to fight for that which is right. 
Deep in the heart of every warrior, those who have followed Christ, is the desire to stand up for what is right, what is true, what is pure, what is just. There's something that burns inside of us that when we see something wrong, we're willing to fight to make it right. But the church doesn't preach this anymore. Somebody will message me today, probably not from this crowd, but probably from that Facebook video. And they will say, well, Gary, I get it. You were all jacked up on energy drinks and you'd been off for a Sunday and you're ready to fight. But that's not the God I read about in my Bible. I I read a God of love and tenderness and mercy and grace. And 100% he's all those things. He's loved. And he's forgiveness, and he's tenderness, and he's grace. But you cannot read the word of God and deny that Jesus Christ is the greatest warrior who ever lived. He understood this amazing thing called balance. Have you ever met, I just had this discussion with someone yesterday, matter of fact. Have you ever met a true military warrior? I'm talking about a badass. I'm talking about someone who was a legit kill somebody. They did it for a living military guy. You know what those people are not? They're not your angry veterans who are out starting companies. Here's my coffee company and everything I wear is skulls and blow this up and blow. That's all the grunts who never did anything in the military. The truly bad warriors, the truly tough guys, are some of the most calm, loving, grace-filled people you've ever met in your life. They are. They understand that there's a time to fight, but every time is not the fight. Every time you see some guy on Facebook covering tattoos in his beard and his skull shirt, and he's, ah, the military, the chances are real good he was a grunt in the military, did his four years, and he got out. And because they had that mindset, they were never able to move past anything but a grunt who did his four years and moved out. Back when I did insurance claims, I met this guy, and he was probably the nicest guy I'd ever met in my life. And we kind of formed a friendship and I, I knew him for months and he would call and check on me and, and I would talk to him and he was just a very articulate guy and then one day I showed up I had to do a job for him and he texted me and said hey I'm going to be about an hour late so sorry but I was already there so I was sitting out in the yard and his neighbor came over and he said man you over here doing some work for John I said I'm doing some work for John he said John's story's crazy isn't he I, I said I, yeah I guess so what do you mean And he began to tell me about John's military background and what John was in the military and how John had to go be put into government hiding for five years when he left the military because of what he did in the military. And I was like, "Ah." he started saying something. I was like, well, I did recognize that in the house and this in the house and this picture in the house and that picture in the house. I actually saw a couple of pictures of him with different presidents in the house. And I guess I just never put two and two together. He said, I remember he said, and John was about this big. He said, he could kill you with his bare hands. And I was like, oh. (laughs) Yet he was one of the most humble guys I'd ever met. 
Jesus is love and he is mercy and he is grace, but he's a warrior. He's the guy who can hang around kids and that people flock to. But that's just an incomplete picture of Jesus. That's the, that's the Jesus the church has turned him into. We have made Jesus a very feminine, passive guy. We've turned him into a white guy, first of all. He wasn't white. With the blue eyes, and he has a great perm. And he has a purple sash. And he carried a little lamb over his shoulders. And my favorite one of Jesus is like he rode a, a horse side saddle. You know, he rode the donkey in their side saddle. His manicured hands. And we forgot that Jesus is a warrior. <laughs> he was the most loving person who ever lived. But he's the greatest warrior who ever lived. He was willing to stand up for what was right. He went into the temple and saw the Pharisees were literally selling, selling the forgiveness of sins. The Bible says he fashioned a whip out of cords. He left. He didn't run emotional. He went and built a whip, came back to the temple, overthrew the tables, and ran them off with the whip. And nobody stopped him. He's a warrior. There's another story, and we don't know the whole context of the story, but we see that Jesus is teaching, and all these guys surround Jesus. And they get him to the edge of a cliff, and the Bible insinuates that they're about to throw him off the cliff. And suddenly Jesus just turns around, looks at them, begins to walk towards them, and the crowd just split, and he walked on his way. I don't know about you, but if I got about 20 guys about to throw me off a cliff and I turn around, I don't think I'm tough enough looking, bad enough looking, or have a reputation enough to be like, whoa, it's just turned around, never mind. Never mind. That's, that is Rambo stuff right there. Over and over and over. Man. Jesus fought the greatest battle ever fought when a sinless Savior became sin on the cross for you and I he never whined, he never cried, he never asked it to be over, he simply said, it is finished. He took the greatest beating that was ever known to man for you and I. Don't tell me he's not a warrior. John was stranded on the island of Patmos, and God gave him a vision of the return of Christ. And when he comes back, here's what it says. It says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose ruler is called faithful and true. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire and his head are many crowns. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword of which to strike down the nations. He will rule with an iron scepter and on his robe and on his thighs he has the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus is coming back with a sword on his mouth and king of kings and lord of lords tattooed riding a horse. He's a bad dude. People tell us, I can't wait to meet Jesus. We, 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 we've humanized Jesus. Ah, JC. God's my homeboy. Can't wait to stand before God and get my high five. No, no, when he comes back, you're going to fall to your 
knees and you're going to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords as the warrior that he is as he comes back and he defeats Satan and Satan's armies and casts them into the lake of fire. He's a warrior. And we're created in his image. There's something deep in every one of us that has the desire to be willing to fight. There's something in every one of us that desires to be part of something bigger than ourselves. It's why we join clubs and why we join groups and why we become part of churches or why we get locked in with our tribe because we realize, man, together we're better and there's just something powerful about us united. But sometimes you gotta be willing to fight. But you gotta know what to fight for. So my question today is, if deep in every one of us is the heart of a warrior, is where have all the warriors gone? Where have all the warriors gone? I can't help but think that God looks out, and he looks at those that are willing to call themselves Christ followers, and those that, that say they follow Jesus, but they continue to live any way they want to live, and they're not willing to stand for what's right, and they're willing to stand for what's right on so many wrong issues instead of standing for what's right on the right issues. And he looks out and says, man, where are the warriors? And it's not a new problem for God. Look what it says in Ezekiel 22. I look for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. Now let me go ahead and just burst some of your bubbles. I'm not talking about Donald Trump. If I see another person use this verse in context of Donald Trump, you deserve to have a warrior smack you across the face. Golly. Trump, he's looking for someone to build the wall. It was Trump. Shut up. Are you against the wall? I don't get political. I'm just telling you this ain't the context of this verse. God was about to destroy the country. He said, I'm just looking for somebody. I'm looking for anybody. I'm looking for someone who'll stand up for what is right, who's willing to fight against everyone who's not willing to stand. He said, I'm looking for somebody who won't go with the flow, who'll go against the crowd. He said, I'm looking for a rebel. See, we screwed up the word rebel nowadays. We think a rebel who's someone who does something bad. That's not a rebel. Everybody's doing bad things. That's a follower. A rebel goes against the norm. A rebel goes against what everyone else is doing. And when everyone's doing wrong, a rebel says, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to stand. Why? Because it's worth standing for. Over 2,000, 3,000 years ago, God said, I'm looking for someone, but I found no one. And he looks out today in the church, and I can't help but think, people say, we just need great revival. We need revival like the old days. And I can't help but think that God's like, I'd love to bring revival, but I can't find anybody. I can't find a group of people who are willing to stand for what's right. I can't find a group of people who are willing to put relationship over religion. I saw a very famous pastor this week wrote a bunch of very well-known pastor this week, announced that he was getting divorced. And then three days later, he announced that he was walking away completely from the Christian faith. And he said, I can no longer believe what I taught for so long. 
And he said, but I, I thought this was very telling. He said, but I'm not walking away from Jesus. I just cannot parallel the teachings of Jesus with the teachings of the church. Hmm. He said, I just can't see that the things that were important to Jesus are important to the church. And I can no longer do it. Walked away from one of the largest churches in the country. Told him to keep the salary. Called his book publisher and said, do not publish my books anymore. I no longer believe what I wrote during those times. You say, do you agree with him? I, I don't know all the idiosyncrasies of his belief system. But I respect that he was willing to fight for something he believed in. It's easy to talk about it. He was willing to do it. Where have all the warriors gone? We have a group of people who show up every Sunday and call themselves Christians, and really all they're doing is fulfilling their duty to come to church. They arrive at 10 o'clock sharp and leave at 11 o'clock dull, unchanged. They fulfill their obligation to go to church every week. We have a day and time where the church will no, listen to me, don't miss this, what I'm about to say. The church will no longer stand up and speak out about the issues that matter, but will stand up and speak out about all the issues that don't really matter. You say, what matters, Gary? Love God. Love people. It's really that simple. You're so worried about all the other things, you can't get the two big two down. You start loving God unconditionally. You start loving people unconditionally, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their sexual preference, regardless of their social standing, and you love people regardless of whether they've hurt you, regardless of whether they've screwed you over, whether you've been screwed over in the past by somebody like them. Our job is to love people and guess what aren't you glad God loves us if you can master those two all the rest fall into place I tell people all the time if you're a first time guest or it's the first time you've heard me you're going to find out I'm a very simple preacher I keep all the cookies on the bottom shelf if you got Grady last week you got spoiled we bring him in about three times a year he makes me look bad and I come up and do my thing this Christianity thing, this following Jesus thing, it's not complicated. It's easy. People like to joke, Gary's only got eight sermons. I should really only have two sermons. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Everything else falls into place. When you love God, love people. Forgiveness, love God, love people. Addictions, love God, love people. Marital problems, love God, love people. Everything else falls into place. We can't get the big two right, yet we want to go deeper. Oh, did I say that? I'm sorry. God called us to be warriors. He said, I was looking for a remnant of people. I was looking for somebody. I was looking for somebody to stand in the gap looking for somebody to hold up the wall where I could save the city. And he said, I found none. Where have the warriors gone? Where are the ones who are more interested in loving God and loving people? 
instead of what the traditionalists will think about them or the religious will think about them or the unchurched will think about them. When did we start caring about the opinions of other people except the opinions of God? What will people think? Who cares? Who cares? One of the most freeing days in your life will be the day you get to the point that you don't care what other people think. Every day I get messages from people, Gary, did you see what? I don't care. Did you see what? I don't care. But Gary, did you? I don't care. Took me about 41 years. I'm 43 years old to get to that point in my life. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. It all falls into place. Where have the warriors gone? <laughs> Let me give you two principles every warrior must know. These are important. Two principles every warrior must know. Because again, I throw that word warrior at it, worries some of you. You got to know the right time to be a warrior. Because we got to balance the warrior with the love and the grace. We got to balance the warrior with loving people and loving God. So, what is the deal? Every warrior must have a cause to fight for. Every warrior must have a cause to fight for. I met a guy recently at the gym. I meet a lot of people at the gym. I just joined this gym. In the sauna, matter of fact. <laughs> I don't understand why we talk in the sauna. I didn't get in the sauna to talk. And I'll tell you another unwritten rule about the sauna. How many of you ever been in a sauna? These are free. This ain't, this ain't biblical stuff. This is just free stuff for you today. If you get in a sauna and there's one person in the sauna, you go to the other side of the sauna. If the sauna's crowded, you have to sit next to me. When someone gets up and moves, you move over. Just freebies there for you. But I'm in the sauna that day, and this guy started, what do you do for a living? I said, I put on events. I don't ever tell people I'm a pastor. I do not want to sit there and talk about Jesus half-naked in the sauna. <laughs> ah, okay. I said, what do you do for a living? That's obviously what you want me to ask you. Ah, you know, I'm a pro football player. <laughs> I was like, you are? I said, really? Yeah. I said, what team do you play for? Well, I'm about to try out for the arena football team over in Gwinnett. I was kind of feeling like an a-hole that day. I said, so you're not on a team? Not yet. I said, so you're not a pro football player then? What do you mean? Yes, I am. If you're not on a team, you're not a pro football player. And then I asked him this question. I said, if you make that team, what does that pay? Well, actually, you've got to pay to be on the team. Then you're not a pro football player. What's your point, Gary? My point is, if you ain't got a fight to fight, you're not a warrior. So you've got to know the cause to fight for. Now, here's the deal. Everyone has a different cause, and everyone has a different vision, and everyone has a different purpose, and everyone has a different plan, and your cause is your cause, and my cause is my cause, but here's what makes us La Familia. We come together, and we have a cause together. 
we bring our individual causes together and they become one unified cause that literally changes a city. Here's what the Bible says. I love this in Nehemiah. Nehemiah's got, he's rebuilding the wall and the, the people are coming to fight and the people that he's got there to build the wall are ready to give up and he says, don't be afraid of them. Don't worry about them. Who cares about them? He says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. He says, you don't worry about the critics. Some of you do real good to quit worrying about the critics. I think the devil loves the 20 hours of your day spent on the negative instead of spent on the positive. Do you know, Gary, there's people who don't like us? What? Let me go ahead and educate you on something. There's people out there that don't like us. Accept it. If you accept it, you don't got to spend your time on social media reading it. People will always hate something that goes against the norm, and we will never fall into the norm of the religious. That's okay. Don't be afraid of them. They do this. We take action. While they're griping, we're feeding people on Wednesday nights. While they're complaining, I asked for a total 211 addicts between Friday and Saturday were in that building next door this week. While they're griping, we're clothing people. While they're complaining, I just don't like how they do it. They're not doing anything. So if they're not doing anything, I kind of like our way better. I mean, I'm just saying, don't be afraid of them. They run their mouths. Remember the Lord. Remember how good God has been to this group of people. I could have people stand up all day long and testify about what God has done in this group of people. This church shouldn't exist. This church makes no sense. This church started in the poorest part of the town in the middle of the summer when they say don't start a church and we met outside in the parking lot for four months because we couldn't get in the building. It doesn't make sense. We give away more than comes in. Literally our account, we have an outside firm that sent me a message recently. He said, I don't understand the numbers. I don't look at the number. I said, what do you mean? He said, how have we sent out $4,500 more this year than what's came in? I said, that's your issue. I don't know. He said, it's amazing. It's amazing. This place doesn't make sense. Some of your marriages don't make sense. You shouldn't be together anymore. She should have left you a long time ago. It's always our fault. But remember how good God is. You remember when you couldn't pay the light bill? You remember when you didn't have a roof over your head? 
You remember when you didn't have a car to drive? Do you remember when you didn't have food to eat? When you, did you remember when you didn't think your marriage was going to make another week? He didn't want to be with you and she didn't want to be with him and all that was going on and you thought, oh my goodness, what has happened? Do you remember when your kids wanted nothing to do with you and you thought you'd lost them forever and look where you are today? Remember the Lord. Don't be afraid of them. Remember how good God is. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. You might be in the dip right now. Dip happens. The beautiful thing about a dip, though, is there's only one place to go, and that's up. And God's going to bring you through that. So you don't worry about the idiots. You don't worry about the, the, the idiots. You remember how good God has been. And then he says, fight. You fight. You fight for your family. You fight for your sons. You fight for your daughters. You fight for your wives. You fight for your homes. You fight because there's some things worth fighting for. When you feel like giving up, you fight. When you feel like quitting, you fight. When you don't feel like you can go on any longer, you fight. When you feel like you're tired, you fight. You know, I want a wrestling promotion. Anybody watch wrestling? In wrestling, they had this thing called tag team wrestling. I love tag team wrestling because I just think the art of it's amazing. But tag team wrestling is real interesting. If I was ever a wrestler, I'd be a tag team wrestler because I'm fat and I'm out of shape and I'd get real tired. And when you get fat and you get real tired, you're just like, boop. You get out of the ring and they come in the ring. It's amazing. Guess what? La Familia is like that. You're tired right now? You tag somebody. We'll be there for you. I've never met a group of people who pick people up like this group of people. You know what's amazing? Is it's very rarely me who has to pick anybody up. That's good news for y'all. Recently had someone, I say recently, about six months ago, they left our church. And they said, I just feel like when I was going through all this, you weren't there. I said, yeah, I wasn't. Why? I said, well, I was going through this, this, and this. I was going through my own stuff. And I said, man, I guess I could look back at you and say you weren't there for me. I said, but wasn't so in the, there for you? Yeah. I said, man, didn't so-and-so help you out here? Yeah. And I said, man, didn't I see that so-and-so was over at your house almost every other night helping you along? Yeah. I said, you know what's amazing about Action Church? I don't have to be there. The family's there. That's powerful. A lot of pastors can't deal with that. They're too insecure. I dig it. You don't want me there for you. Mm -mm. I tell people this all the time. I come visit you in the hospital. It's bad news. That's right. Yeah, you don't want it. I've said that for so many years. Ashley went through something. She said she opened her eyes and saw me. She thought she only had a couple days to live. So, you want Lisa Hawkins to come visit you in the hospital. You want Janice Kennedy to come pray over you in the hospital. You want Doug and Kathy Knight to come visit you in the hospital. You don't want me. I don't like to touch stuff. Freaks me out. I'm, I normally make the nurses mad. Christine fell down one time, broke her arm. At roller skating, the nurse comes in, what happened? I thought it was funny. I said, she got out of line. It was not funny. The nurse did not find that funny. They about threw me out of the hospital. You do not joke about that kind of stuff. I'm just that person. I get uncomfortable and awkward in the hospital. You don't want me there, but the family's there. 
So many churches are established where the pastor's this hierarchy. I'm just part of the, part of the family. I just happen to have the teaching role around here. You've got to have a cause to fight for. <laughs> fight and you may die. Run and you'll live for a little while. But anybody who lives their life as a coward hasn't lived a life. Dying in your bed years from now, you'll look back and you'll realize your biggest regrets the battles you didn't fight. The things you gave up on and you walked out on. You'd be willing to trade all your days for that one chance to go back and take that chance. We're going to fight for some things around here. I say this all the time. We have a unique vision here. I don't think it's a better vision than other churches. I don't think it makes us better than other people. It's just our unique vision. Here's what you need to understand. If you don't like it, that's okay. My feelings not hurt. We're probably not the church for you, though. We're always going to fight for outsiders over insiders. We don't do this for you. We don't do this for me. We do this for those that have been burned by church those that have given up on church, those that have not felt accepted in church, those who don't want to go to church, those who feel like they're not welcome in church. We're kind of the opposite. When you become a partner here, you give up all your rights. You join the golf course, you get the right to play golf. You join the Sam's Club, man, you get the right to buy five things to catch up at one time. You decide, man, I'm going to link arms with Action Church. Guess what? It no longer becomes about you. It becomes about what can we do to reach the de-church and the unchurch. 74% of the people in this community who think church is irrelevant to their lives, how do we create an environment where they can come in, feel loved and accepted, and find God in their timing as long as it takes? That's why we do what we do around here. We're going to always be the church that gives away food and gives away clothes and gives away this and helps those in need. But what about the people who take advantage of it? That's between them and God. Some of you miss out on the blessings of life because you can't, you can't rejoice over feeding 100 people because one person takes advantage of it. Shut up! Everybody, no one even speaks English when they come in here. Shut up! Seriously, who cares? You act like it cost you something. We're going to love people. I mean, I'm just fed up with addicts. I've been burned by addicts. Cool. Stand in line, baby. Stand in line behind me. I'll lead that train. But guess what we're going to do? I'm always going to help addicts. I'm always going to help those that are hurting, have habits, have hang-ups. Because I remember when I was making the worst decisions of my life and I lost everything, and everybody turned their back on me, about seven people reached out to me. And I look back so many times, and I think to myself, what if those seven people hadn't done it for me? Where would I be? Oh, by the way, where would you be? It's the cause. Someone said, I just, I get worried when we start to grow. <laughs> Why? I just, don't, I just don't like lots of people. Well, you're going to hate heaven. <laughs> Somebody asked me recently, how big do we want to get? And we're not really a church that pushes growth. We just kind of do our thing. We don't ever, crap, we didn't get a sign out front. 
but people that come to me, we're, we're supposed to say, man, when we get to 500 people, we shut the door and no more people are allowed in. Sorry, 501, there's another church down the road. If you don't like crowds, you're going to hate heaven. You're going to be disappointed. Because I believe that more and more, those that want nothing to do with church are going to come through the doors of churches like this. That are sick of the games, they're going to come through churches like this. Ugly, broken, beat down, full of mess, island of misfit toys. This is where they're going to find their place. Because as I read the Bible, I don't see some clean cut, beautiful, nice, have it all together Jesus and a bunch of disciples. I see a bunch of people who the world looked at as outcasts. The world looked at as people who were messed up. I see a book full of broken people, disgusted people. I see a bunch of hurting people that God looked down and said, man, you are a screw up and I'm going to use you. Man, you got to have a cause worth fighting for. And that's important because the second thing is this. A warrior without a cause to fight for will find the wrong thing to fight against. Don't miss this. I can't help but wonder if the church in America spends so much time fighting the stupid things that don't matter is because the leadership in the church hasn't given them the right cause to fight for. When did the church's job become to fight over politics? I thought it was separation of church and state. What would happen if the church took as much interest in reaching those that are far from God as it does going out and boycotting homosexual activities? I work in downtown Canton every day, and about three weeks ago there was a guy out there, and he was preaching, he had his little karaoke machine he was yeah whoremongers and you're this and you're that and i was like oh. i walked by and i went in the town went to the business and i was working and finally i was like i'm just gonna go listen to him for a few minutes i was the only one listening to him and he was preaching man he was he was giving homosexuals the what for i mean giving it to them now, there was nobody listening. There was no homosexuals to repent there. Just me. Maybe he thought I was gay. I don't know. And he's just ripping. A man will lay with a man and blah, 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 blah. I was just like, he is getting with it. I just sat there patiently. And he got done. He putting his stuff up. He, I'd been there for like 10 minutes. I appreciate you listening, brother. First thing I thought was, how do you know I'm a brother? You don't know anything about me. I just listened. He said, man, got to stand like you and me. I said, well, I'm not standing with you. Well, what? I said, I, I don't want to argue with you. I said, but can I ask you one question in all sincerity? Yeah. I said, have you ever had anybody? Oh, he said he'd been doing it for 23 years, 23 years. I said, in 23 years, have you ever had anybody change the course of their life through what you're doing? Sometimes you just got to be faithful, brother. So I interpret that as, no, I haven't. And I thought to myself, here's a guy that has a lot of zeal. 
Here's a guy that's willing to go stand on a street corner and act like an idiot. Here's a guy who's, who, who's willing to put in the work, but he's a warrior who hasn't been given the right cause to fight for, so he's wasting his time, and instead of helping the cause of Christ, he's making the cause of Christ look like idiots. I literally watch people walk up and down the street laughing at him, making fun of him. I watched people walking up in the street that I knew were Christians, looking and trying not to make eye contact with him because they were so embarrassed by his actions. Give him props. He's out there, I guess, doing whatever he thinks he needs to do, but he don't have a cause to fight for. So he's fighting for the wrong thing. Satan loves for us to fight stupid issues. Loves it. We need to fight for the right cause. We've got to learn what the cause is. I'm going to talk the whole message next week. It's going to be about this. The cause of Action Church is to go after those that are far from God. That's why we exist. That is the uniqueness of this La Familia. So you've got to learn how to fight. You've got to learn how to fight. There's two ways to have a fight. Sometimes you've got to throw a punch. Sometimes you just got to knock somebody out. I like the thing on Facebook nowadays that says, the problem with so many of you, it's obvious you've never been punched in the face. It's true. <laughs> then Samson prayed to the Lord, Judges 16. Sovereign Lord, remember me again, O God. Please strengthen me just one more time with one blow. Let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hand on the other two pillars, held the temple, pushing against them with both hands. He prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than when he had during his entire lifetime. There's sometimes you're just going to have to fight. There's sometimes you're going to have to get vocal. There's sometimes you're going to have to get in someone's face. There's sometimes you're going to have to draw your line in the sand and say, man, I, enough is enough. I can't be passive and I can't get along with everyone. And sometimes, church, you're going to have to throw a punch. But sometimes you're going to fight by turning the other cheek. Peter drew a sword when they came to take Jesus. Jesus turned the other cheek. You got to know when and how to do which one. The problem with so many of us is we're one extreme or the other. Some of you want to fight at the drop of a hat, and it doesn't always work. And the problem with some of you is you need to fight, but you're too passive to fight. You live in a fantasy land that you're just going to get along with everyone. And man, as long as you're not in the middle of it, it's not going to hurt you. No, 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 no. A true warrior, no wins to snap a neck. And then when to reach out. You do that through being in tune with God. There's times that we fight people with love and compassion. There's times that we pray for our enemies, and there's times we reach out and we win them that way, and there's sometimes we just smack the hell out of them. You got to know which way to fight. But you got to accept you got to fight. I don't know about you, but I don't want a family member who's not willing to fight for me. I don't want to go into the war knowing the person next to me is kind of opposed to fighting. Because there's a battle between good and evil that's raging. The 
La Familia that knows how to fight together will be the La Familia that stays together.